Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to this week's Maternity and Midwifery Hour. My name's Sue McDonald, and I'm the curator for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour and the Maternity and Midwifery Festival. And it's my pleasure to be chairing this session this evening, which I know you're going to enjoy. And I'm joined by three wonderful midwives. Now, you're going to recognise all of these midwives because these midwives are leaders in their field of examination the newborn. And we have Natasha Carr, we have Lindsay Rose, and we have Anna Byron. And Anna is joining us from underneath the world. No, that's wrong, isn't it? The other end of the world in Australia. <laughs> and it's some dreadful time of the morning. So I'll say I'll say welcome to Anna, but also to anyone else who's joining us from the other part of the world, because I know we have quite a loyal audience from all over the world. So welcome wherever you are um, to this week's Maternity Act, Midwifery Hour. Now, because we always do this, we put our guests on the spot to ask them to share with us a little moment of the week. So could we start perhaps with Lindsay? Oh, yes. <laughs> Catch you out, Lindsay. You did, you did. <laughs> um, okay, my, my youngest son who's just 21 took uh, had his first um opportunity to fly with his girlfriend off to Spain to meet her family there so I was it was uh, thought that was a really um special moment thank you gosh that's a big step yeah yeah that's a big step because yeah. this I mean I guess he would have gone before but three this last three years there's been a little something going on hasn't yeah, there absolutely oh wonderful thank you Lindsay how about Natasha Okay, so my moment of the week is going to be coming on Friday. I have a big birthday coming on Friday. Starts at five and ends in a zero. So we're working on that one and we've decided we're embracing it. And quite right. And enjoying it, I think. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. Much champagne to be thrown about, I think. Fantastic. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that. Then how about Anna and the other yeah. side of the world? Oh, thank you. And happy birthday, Natasha. Um, that's really exciting that that's coming this week. Um, for me this week, I've, been, I've had the opportunity to spend some time with some students working at Western Sydney University. And it's been just so lovely to be with some first year students. And in Australia, their term, their like course starts in March. So that's oh. the academic year starts in March. So the brand new first year students that yeah. I've been able to spend some time with. Um, and then in the evening, I got a chance to meet our illustrator for the Practicing Midwife Australia, Jane Telfer, an Aboriginal woman who illustrates our journal. And she ran, she ran an art workshop for us. So it's just oh. been like a week full of treats, lovely opportunities and moments. And last night I got to meet for the first time face to face Renee Coleman, who's our um, editor in chief of the Practicing Midwife as well, and another Aboriginal midwife, amazing people that are making yeah. a difference, really. So it's been a really exciting week for me. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Anna. Now we'll let Anna off because she shared about 14 moments there 
but that's fantastic oh. well we have to allow you and it's it must be really fantastic seeing all those brand new students and meeting all these very artistic and and creative people contributing yeah. to that it's fairly new the Australian yeah. edition isn't it so it's really exciting yeah. so thank yeah. you for that and thank you for sharing <laughs> your moments and I'm just going to remind people the put those who are new with us where we all came from well I don't mean exactly where we all came from but <laughs> the maternity midwifery I was born three years ago at the very start of lockdown when we really needed to be able to share and meet midwives and student midwives people in maternity care who needed information and knowledge and CPD to keep themselves up to date and actually link up together so we started this and we've we've carried on um this hourly I nearly said treat I'm hoping it will be a treat I think it's a treat um for all of those who come to to listen and and participate they don't just listen they watch and they participate and we have a fantastic audience and I think we've got quite a few people with us tonight but just to remind you that if for example the worst happens and you lose your 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 um contact and your computer does something dreadful it doesn't matter because everything we do is recorded and you can catch up everything and that goes for all the conferences and festivals we run everything's recorded and you can catch up either just by searching the map flicks who look after everything for us or through the box sets which you can get through a, a little subscription and which is all curated by Jenny Hall who also puts lots of little goodies inside the box sets to really help you if you're doing something like a project or dissertation or anything that you might need something very concentrated but we do love you to share everything so when you come along and you're, you're interested in it and you can share your recording with your colleagues and really discuss it because that's the whole idea is to really get information knowledge out there so we can really grow and develop our skills and our knowledge so just share and I'll say a big thank you to our midwives and our student midwives because it's a it's a bit tricky at the moment because yet again um, we're getting report, reports that People are not so happy with the NHS at the moment in the UK, and that's hard if you're working in the UK. We're used to being working hard and trying to make everything good, and it's always difficult when we know that things aren't right, and it's not our fault. We're all trying. We're trying to catch up, and there's all the, the, the kind of industrial action that's gone on, but we're still trying to provide good care to mothers and babies. So thank you to all the midwives and students who are doing their best keep things going and just keep the faith it's a fantastic service and I've got utmost faith in our NHS and I know a lot of people will do so just keep the faith with it and I also have to always say and I know I'm not going to be boring just look after yourselves as well that's really important okay this week this week is autism acceptance week and we've we've sent out a nice little clip of um Amy Grant's who's based in, um, I think it's Swansea University, and did, she did a wonderful presentation last year at the Cardiff Festival. It's well worth looking at, just to get a better understanding of what it's like to have autism and to be autistic. Some of you will know well, some of you won't, but it's it's worth looking at, because Amy's wonderful. She did, she did a lovely presentation and very thought-provoking too. And tomorrow, 
is the International Day of Zero Waste. Take that in mind. So when you're throwing things away, try and put it in your recycling or better said, still reuse it. Okay. And it's still Ramadan. So Ramadan Mubarak. I hope that's correct for this time. If it's not, I'm sure one of my Muslim friends or colleagues will get in touch and say, you're not saying the right thing. Because, you know, if you're not, if you're not of that faith, you don't necessarily know exactly the best things to say. So I'll look forward to hearing from somebody. Also, congratulations to the new Scottish First Minister, Hamza Youssef. That's really good news as well. Bit of a change and a change for Scotland. And and that's, you know, we all have to change and do different things differently. The other thing is, yesterday and today has been the RCM, Royal College of Midwives Education Research Conference in Birmingham. It's been a very lively event. And, and there's been a whole launch of different publications, including, uh, where have I put it? A thing called Decolonizing Midwifery Education. I've got the front cover of this. I can show you all. It's all available online. And I've put that link onto our resource page so you can access it. Um, because that's going to be really important for us to think about what we do and especially educators and those of you in education and also in practice. There's also a new RCM iLearn neuro neurodiversity in the workplace, which is going to be worth looking at. So for those of you who want need a bit of e-learning, perhaps you're due your revalidation, something of that matter, useful to do. And big congratulations to people who've been awarded the RCM Fellowship, and that's Jackie Williams at the NMC that all of you will know from being on the maternity and at the festivals. And just because she's a really good source of information at the NMC. Um, also, Dr. Helen Bedford, University of York, Dr. Alison Colwood, Tom McEwen and Dr. Susan Hardaker, Hardaker, who's also in Wales. So that's really good news. It's so nice to have these people being awarded fellowships. So well done to all of those people there. Now, on perfect timing here, this evening, we're going to be looking at the examination newborn. Now, some of you will be very familiar with this wee document, which is the NMC Standards of Proficiency for Midwives. Now, in, just in case you thought that was just for student midwives, it's not. It's for all of us. So that's why you've got lots of little stickies just to keep track of what's going on. Because part of the, the changes that came into these proficiencies was that we as midwives need to know more about the newborn and specifically about examining the newborn and really owning that newborn the way we do women and looking after that, that child. Many of you have completed NIPE. Some of you will have been have done MBPN or the Systematic Examination Newborn, SEN, getting used to all these little short, shortened versions. But we all need to achieve the competencies or proficiencies as here. Are we ready now to answer that question or perhaps to ask even more questions? I'm really so pleased to introduce my first speaker. We've got three. And I'm going to start with Natasha Carr, who's Senior Lecturer in Midwifery and Professional Midwifery Advocate, Advocate, that's right, Birmingham City University. She supports teaching and learning in long and short course, 
uh, pre-registration midwifery programs and her specialist subject guess what is examination of the newborn and she's also clinical and academically focused as uh, as a PMA she would be and just in her spare time is undertaking a PhD no spare time <laughs> this is juggling in the extreme so welcome Natasha and thank you so much for coming this evening the screen is now yours Fantastic. So th thank you very much, Sue, for introducing me. And yeah, life's, life's busy, but we're midwives. We, we can cope with that. So yes, yeah, systematic examination of the newborn. Are we, are we actually ready for this? And what do we need to be ready for? So let's take a, a, a very quick whistle-stop tour and it will feature some of those documents that Sue was just talking about there. So we need to look at those new NMC requirements. Uh, what are the students' requirements now? Because I think unless you work in education, you might not be that familiar with them. And also, if you're already an IP practitioner or a systematic examination of a newborn practitioner, we've got to do that CPD, haven't we? It's important. We don't want our practice to become stale. And there's lots of variations um, across the country that we, we need to have a think about. OK, so let's start with our student midwives um, then. So what do all student midwives have to do? The performing of the newborn and infant physical examination, and I'll, I'll go on and call that NIPE for now to save a little bit of time, is absolutely now recognised part of the undergraduate curriculum and part of the midwife sphere of practice. And the majority of higher education institutions currently provide or are planning to include that NIPE um, examination training into their undergraduate pre-registration curricula as it is part of those new standards that Sue was, Sue was waving there and there's there's a little image of it there. Now some universities have been doing that anyway under the old standards we didn't have to put it in under the old midwifery education standards but you like to look ahead you like to look where midwifery is going and keep on the ball and several universities included both the theory and the practice in their program so their, their students were coming out as, as midwives who could practice as, as a NIPE practitioner other universities just had the theory in there and the practice was a bolt-on afterwards um, Pros and cons to all approaches, but what we have to do now is both the theory and the practice. So this is how, how student midwives are doing this. So newly qualified midwives who've undertaken the module as part of their pre-registration midwifery training must have completed both theoretical and clinical components. So past courses, you may have qualified, as I said, and just done the theory. You can't be an IP practitioner until you've done that practical component as well. Um, students on the new standards, so courses that have been validated mostly over COVID, which is an interesting experience, um, will have that theoretical and practice elements, both of those included. And in terms of the theory, the university tends to take that and we'll, we'll put it into modules, we'll develop the students over time, introduce them to some simple normality in the first year, for example, and then introduce that systematic examination as they move through their programmes. The practical side tends to get assessed, obviously, in the clinical area. We may simulate OSCEs in, in the university, but students need that hand-on hands -on experience. And it's the MORA, the midwifery ongoing record of um, achievement that most of the universities are using now across the country. However, 
thought number one is it only has one proficiency related to the to, to NIPE or the systematic examination of the newborn and the wording of it's there that the student is able to undertake a full systematic physical examination of the newborn infant in line with local and national evidence-based protocols. My personal thoughts, and I'll put it out there for you to all muse over, is you need supplementary documentation. There's not enough detail there. Um, we've been running NIPE training for postgrad and undergraduate for a number of years now. That needs breaking down into lots of component parts. What does that actually mean? We need quality. We need robust standards. And certainly at Birmingham City University, we've developed supplementary documentation. And I think that's been mirrored ac across the country where practitioners are experienced in doing that. And that's something I would urge every education institution to do. You need supplementary documentation. Okay, so why are we doing this? There is some evidence base, which is nice. We don't do anything in midwifery unless we've got an evidence base. It's important to have that. There's a cost saving, which is good. We had, uh, it's appropriate for low-risk babies. It's clinically effective. It provides continuity of care. We've got increased parental satisfaction. This is good on, on, on many, many fronts. And if you look at this part here, we are saving money and we all know at the moment that the NHS could do with saving quite a lot of money and perhaps repurpose you know, where things are. And we will be part of the solution by, by midwives and our students taking this on. I'm not going to play the clip of, of Joe there, who's one of our recently graduated midwives. Um, unless we've got time at the end, anybody wants to watch it, but I will leave it to be available for everybody to view the future. But very positive experiences of having this as a qualification on the old standards and being able to go forward to a job interview and say, actually, I have skills that you want to employ. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm a newly qualified band Sorry, we did get a little bit of Joe there, but uh, moving onwards for time. So our all our students are going to be coming out with this qualification. Some of you who are qualified midwives may or may not have this qualification. So there's some thoughts there about, do I need to upskill? What do I need to do? Universities are ready for that. And if you feel that, hang on a minute, I need to upskill myself. I need to move forwards in my practice because all these new people coming through have got things that I haven't got. Get in touch with your local universities. So for existing and newly qualified um, NIPE practitioners. We need to think about that CPD as, as Sue was pointing out. It's really important. You've, you've got to maintain your skills. And to provide a duty of care, an appropriately trained health professional must carry out the NIPE examination. It's got to be a trained person. And they need to have got undergone the relevant training and a locally agreed competency assessment. Um, now, it can be a midwife. We've definitely got a role in there, but it can also be a nurse or a health visitor who has successfully completed uh, the accredited examination of the newborn study programme. So there's scope to work there within a multidisciplinary team and in different ways. It can also be a doctor, and that's where traditionally these examinations have been done. <coughs> or as we've already said, we can have our um, new standards where they're coming out with um, the qualification. So as providers, then, you need to be really diligent to ensure that all the required elements of a course have been successfully completed as a pre-registration midwife coming to work for you. At the moment, we've got a very mixed economy. 
So those are the types of questions that you need to be asking of employees coming in to make sure that you're providing a safe, efficient and an appropriate service. And although we have nursing colleagues who do the NIPE examination, nursing associates are not eligible to undertake this examination. Um, individuals need to hold professional qualifications and be registered, such as on the GMC or the NMC. However, physicians associates may be able to do. That's a little more, more of a gray area depending on their training. Um, we tend to do as midwives that early examination before 72 hours, but we also in our training, we encompass a six to eight week check as well to make sure our midwives really are robust and fit for future practice wherever midwifery may extend itself to over time. Traditionally, this is your doctors, it's the GPs who are doing this, potentially health visitors and potentially physicians associates. So the, um, the government under PHE, as was, has actually put together an annual learning framework that we can all as um, NIPE practitioners adhere to and they recommend it. It's not statutory, um, but it's recommended. So it has an annual learning framework that came out last June, so just under a year ago. And it has three elements of the framework that are really, really important. Firstly, they recommend that you do the NIPE e-learning modules that are on e-learning for health. So everybody can have access to those, particularly if you're working in the health service, all our students have access to that. So it's a really good, robust resource. It suggests that you do discussions of national standards, clinical pathways, training and education resources. There are clear pathways for referral within um, NIPE and local areas should be adhering to those. And so practitioners need to update themselves on, on the latest um, amendments or changes. And they changed in 21, I do believe. And they also recommend an attendance at a local NIPE update session as well. And I know um, Lindsay and, and Anna are going to talk about some of those updating ways in a, in a moment. In addition, they talk about um, NIPE working in partnership. So it's really good practice to go and visit specialist clinics or multidisciplinary discussions or meetings about case studies. For example, you could with cardiac abnormalities, if you think, you know what, I'm a bit rusty on that. Get yourself down to the neonatal unit, get yourself down to a cardiac clinic and arrange some updating so that you're aware of what those heart sounds normal and otherwise can sound like. And also a NIPE reflection is recommended as well. And that can also form part of your NMC revalidation as well. So we're not reinventing the wheel. We can use the same thing for the two different purposes. Just a little note, though, if you're a trust that has an in-house training course for actually getting people qualified as a NIPE or a systematic examination of the newborn practitioner, you need to seek university accreditation. Public Health England have this as a stipulation because you may train people locally, but that won't be a universal qualification. So individuals won't be able to move across the country. And it's about quality. It's about standardising and having that higher level thinking at level six or level seven that the universities can provide. So some challenges then, some thoughts to, to move you on and, and ponder about. Decolonizing, so very nicely Sue mentioned the RCM, decolonizing um, information that's out there at the moment and newly launched. We probably need to decolonize our examination of the newborn literature as well. 
historically very little attention being paid to the significance of skin color and the variations when, when we're teaching. There's a lack of awareness that many conditions can be more difficult to recognize on darker skins. There's a definite gap in the clinical and theoretical education that as universities, we need to step up to and rise to that challenge. We're always welcoming suggestions on how we can do that and working in partnership. We need to kickstart and continue that discussion. It's a ripe time for doing that. We know that you know, ethnic origin continues to have a significant impact on mortality rates. Stillbirth rates of black and black British babies are over twice those for white babies. Neonatal deaths are 45% higher, not acceptable at all. And from a NIPE point of view, we can do our part to assist in remedying that. And again, we've got disparities between Asian and Asian British ethnicity, stillbirth and neonatal death rates, 60% higher than, than white babies. It, the, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? I don't need to labour that point. It's not right. So debates for education and practice there. You can see here, I have to tell you about this. This is one of our anatomage tables. It's like a massive iPad, about the size of a bed. And it works like an iPad, press buttons, fiddle them around. And we can teach our students using this. We've got some amazing facilities at universities and particularly at BC, we're very proud of our new simulation facilities that we get to play with and our students get to play with, but most of all, they learn, which is fantastic. So what are the key challenges around decolonizing for you in education, in practice, in teaching? What questions do you have around education? Are you actually using that supplementary booklet that I've just said is really, really important and I'm passionate about? We're happy to share it at BCU and I'm, I'm sure you know, Lindsay is as well. Um, how confident are you in teaching? So these students are all going to be flying through to the clinical areas. You've got them for 50% now of their clinical time. The LMC said so. What are you going to do with them? How are you going to teach them and test them and put them through their paces, but in a supportive way? How do you give feedback that's supportive and doesn't scare the life out of them or put them off? Um, would you like to share your models of teaching students? Are you supported for your CPD once you are qualified? How do you bring existing midwives up to the current standards when there's a little bit of a gap there potentially? Have you met your annual learning framework guidance? Did you know about it? Are you thinking now, crikey, somebody comes and checks. Am I? Should I? Um, is it being used at your trust? Is it something you, you need to introduce? Is there a nice quality improvement project? I can, I can feel a project going on there and then a publication to go with it. You have to publicise everything that you've done. Do you need to network? Networking is fantastic. This isn't about one person being better than another. This is about quality and standards and sharing and improving care, education and practice. What conversations do you want to start? There are some resources with the live links on there. And just to say, it's a little bit like raising a child. It requires a team. There's no point just me doing it, for example. So at BCU, uh, where we have 125 students um, per year, we've got six of us who are doing examination of the newborn. We did have seven, but somebody's just leaving. It's like, oh. but 
we've got a new person coming in. So we will have Stefan. I just can't put her name on there just yet. So we run the undergraduate courses and we run the post-grad course as well for those midwives that haven't got the qualification yet. Um, and we are ready in Birmingham, like many places, for the challenge of systematic examination of the newborn to a high standard. Thank you very much for this whistle-stop tour. Looking forward to the rest of it. Fantastic. And it, and it's, uh, it was a whistle-stop tour. And I have to, I have to confess that I could listen to Lindsay. Oh, well, I could listen to my three colleagues for a long time. And I had the, the benefit of undertaking the examination newborn online just before Christmas and listening to, to these wonderful midwives teaching. And it was very special and very exciting. Um, so that's, that's I, I, you've left us with more questions, Natasha than answers but that's okay because I just want to tell the audience we're going we're not this isn't it we're going to be carrying on with this discussion and and kind of break it down a little bit more not just today but for the future series because we're nearly at the end of series nine and there'll be a series 10 and 11 afterwards I suspect I'm fairly sure so thank you so much Natasha that's fantastic way, way to start us now I'm going to introduce our little double act now um, and you won't be surprised that the first person will be uh, Dr Alan Byron, midwife, director and chief executive officer of All Four Maternity. She's known to many of you and she's been on this uh, hour several times before and so we love we love Anna and thank you so much for joining us from Australia coming in from the other side of the world and we're also welcoming Lindsay Rose who's a senior midwifery lecturer at Angela Ruskin University. She's got particular interest in examination newborn and particularly NIPE and particularly um, an app developed on newborn eyes, which I think is a, a bit of an award-winning uh, app, as I recall. And also, which I didn't know about you, Lindsay, she's also an acupuncturist. <laughs> so there we are. We know everything about Lindsay now. So welcome both Lindsay and Anna. The screen is now yours, and I shall remove myself. As you, wow. thank you so much, um, Sue. And it's just so lovely to be here again with colleagues. Um, so I'm just really delighted to um, be sharing this opportunity to talk to you with Lindsay Rose and obviously Natasha as well. And it's really special for me because um, Birmingham City University is where I studied to become a midwife. So seeing all the lovely pictures there on Natasha's presentation was really, really lovely. And like you said, um, Sue, we have been working together to develop a webinar series um, for professionals um, that just reflecting back on the, the annual framework and support for, for professionals who want to strengthen their practice. It's really wonderful to provide opportunities, but I know uh, Natasha also runs from Birmingham City University a conference, an annual conference, and we're going to be finding out a little bit more about the, the examination of the newborn app that Lindsay's prepared. So we're going to just share with you tonight um, some insights from our examination of the newborn webinar series. The series focused in on the screening aspects of the examination, this important examination. Um, 
so that we could really help people to update their skills and knowledge around those four components um, of the screening that's required across uh, NHS England. And we know around um, even the United Kingdom, there can be small variations in expectations and requirements, but then around the world, there are lots of differences. Um, so actually it was really good to bring people together to have some of those critical conversations. And so it was so lovely that you joined us as well. Uh, for that so we just want to give a warm welcome and and bring people into thinking about the people that we're caring for and so you mentioned this at the beginning that we really want um, our newborns to get the most wonderful support and that holistic care right from the beginning of their life and that obviously involves caring for the whole family together we um, want to give you a bit of an introduction to the series that we've developed and invite you to consider attending future events that we'll be hosting this year. Um, it was a real opportunity to come together and think about all the connections and care that families require to really get things off to a good start. And I, I really love Niles Bergman, um, the, the work that he's done for neonatal care and really just help helping us to think about, you know, that babies when they're born are sentient, um, learning and expectant of love, nourishment, nurturing relationships. And the, these examinations of the newborn offer an opportunity for us to communicate with the family all about their baby's capacity and abilities and to also pick out areas of concern that can be addressed really quickly so that they can go into meaningful programmes of support. So we wanted to use that as an ethos to, to the programme that we developed, to think about connections and care and thinking about that whole family approach. So it's, I know we've heard about Lindsay already, but for the webinar series, it was important that it was curated um, by somebody that was an expert in providing that education and also support to clinicians and practitioners. So it's really wonderful that the, the whole series was curated by, by Lindsay, who's doing a lot of work as well with international recruited midwives um, in the east of England. But also uh, we, Lindsay brought together a full team of experts in their own particular areas of the screening uh, including Natasha, who's who's got expertise in delivering programmes to undergraduate students and understanding the ways of, in which we can support. And we've heard about Natasha's expertise and experience and her team as well from BCU. So it's really wonderful to have consultant ophthalmologists, cardiologists, neonatologists, um, that were all attending and some, um, you know, really senior midwives that have been working clinically um, to provide this support to families and babies. So overall, the aim of the programme um, was to offer a space for practitioners to, and to think about and consider and review their own practice and reflect on the things that were impacting or impacting on this area of our practice and to offer the support needed to really refresh knowledge and skills for some people as we know they may have completed their education and program of study around examination of the newborn some years ago so it's really important as we heard in the framework to come back and think about those updates and having experts in these areas neonatology coming to talk to us really helps to look out for any new information that we can use in our everyday practice 
to support babies and families. So, you know, it's just remembering that we want to keep all families at the heart of the care that we provide and the whole framework across each of the weeks that, um, was, was really centred on the families. So in terms of what, what happened with our very first webinar series last year, the latter end of last year, we actually welcomed 80 participants from around the world. And it was really amazing to see that we have participants from New Zealand, Ireland and parts of Europe, as well as many participants from across um, England and the United Kingdom. It was good to hear that the participants that attended with it being our first series were 100% satisfied. And we did like a little Likert scale for each of the sessions between one and five. And on average, the, 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 the response was 4.6, which I thought was really excellent. It seemed very good and excellent for every speaker, which was really nice to hear that feedback from participants with all of them being satisfied. And here's some of the feedback that was given. So uh, it's really nice to hear that the pitch was right across um, the, the, web, the webinars um, and we got had ed educators joining us for their own refresher and updates and they found the space pot spot on with a good depth of detail in the question and answers with a really relaxed chat function, um, informative and sharing real life examples. And the whole series was excellent from, for me, from a midwife in Ireland, even though that NIPE wasn't a requirement in their position, they were taking the exam so that they could support and strengthen their care for home, home birth. People enjoyed the presentation styles because it kept their interest and focus. And people enjoyed the learning, which is good to hear, and that the, the resources that we shared. And they were really excited to access the NIPE app that was included within that webinar resource. So really enjoyed it. And um, they enjoyed the wealth of information, even from around the world, which was really nice to see. So what did people actually get with the webinar series? They had six sessions. Um, they joined in for an overview and an update on those standards themselves and why the, it's so important that we conduct this, um, this important screening test for families so that we can care for babies effectively. Then we looked at quality education, invited Natasha to come and talk to us. Um, and then we looked at those four screening aspects in particular. So we started with the neonatal hips and looked at the neonatal testes screen, neonatal eyes, and then the neonatal heart, like I said, with lots of um, specialist speakers. So when you came to each of these webinars, you had an opportunity to, to listen to a presentation from a specialist. And then there was plenty of time for questions and answers and then a clinical and practice discussion where we picked out case studies to review and people shared experiences from their own clinical practice so that they could ask questions of a specialist whilst they were there. We wanted to optimise the learning for those participants by including webinar recordings, ebooks, and Padlets. So it was all run via um, Eventbrite. You could book on and then run through Zoom in their webinars uh, function. And everybody got uh, an interactive ebook that they could use for their series, which included um, articles from the practice.
practicing midwife that had been written by Natasha and her team from BCU, all about an updating on the those components of the examination of the newborn, those screening components, just to add to um, the webinar um, content. And all of the resources were included on an uh, examination of the newborn Padlet, a resource that could be accessed with recordings of the webinars if you were unable to make them live. So really lots of resources. And finally, um, all participants were able to get access to the new examination of the newborn NIP app. Um, so I'm going to hand over now to Lindsay, who's going to introduce this app for you. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Anna. Um, yes, it was, it was a really good experience working with Anna. I really enjoyed it. We, and I think we're looking forward to the next one. And this is the um, this is the the uh, what you'll see on your if you go to the app store and you want to to buy the app, that little well, I think it looks a bit like a jelly baby, actually. But um, that's what you need to look out for. And it says NIPE textbook in a pocket on it. So if you want to move on, Anna. So the app has been designed as a sort of interactive resource for all healthcare practitioners and students to use in the workplace to support them doing NIPE examinations. Um, it will always have evidence-based information on it. So, for example, at the moment, the, the NIPE heart standards being updated. And what that means is once the update comes out, I'm able to just put everything relevant to that up on the um, into the app and you'll just get an update to do. And it keeps it current. We can continually keep to add adding pictures and videos all the time. And if you wanted to have a look at the app, there's a sort of a little a small example of what you might be able to get um, available to you just for free. But if you wanted to get the full app, it's available um, on Apple and the Google app stores for $15.99. So if you think about it, you, can, you buy a book for a lot more than that. And actually, this continues to be updated. So it will never update and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So for you can and, um, purchase it through the universities and hospital trusts for institutional prices. Most of that money is going towards actually just funding the app company to, to host the app. So it's just really that it's out there as an educational source. And it's also all part of my PhD. So you'll get a questionnaire at the beginning when you first purchase and a few months later, just to sort of have a look at what you felt about the app and provide some information to help me see whether I'm, I've got it right or wrong, or hopefully that I haven't wasted my time. The app has several features, and I'm going to run you through all of those um, shortly. One of the things that it has on there is that it's got some video guidance, but also tech support. So if you have any problems, there's always somebody on hand to, to fix that from the app company that hosts it. But I won't talk too much about that because I can actually demonstrate it for you. Finally, let's go to the live demo. It was really nice. Once when Lindsay's brought that up, it was really great to make this app available as part of the webinar series. So I know we've been getting some amazing feedback um, from people that accessed it. So can't wait to have a little tour. That's lovely. OK, so this is the front page that you'll get to. And it's called Textbook in a Pocket because the idea is that you'll always have everything you need to know about NIPE at, at your fingertips um, within the workplace. And part of the things that I'll be looking at with my PhD is how um, how people receive or perceive practitioners using tech within the workplace because um, we don't we, you know, often it's not doesn't look professional. But I think maybe things are changing with that. So we have here an introduction to NIPE and there it's just talking about um, 
the my PhD and what why I introduced the app, but also talking about that it will be changed to um, for systematic physical examination of the newborn infant in line with local and national evidence based protocols, which is a bit of a mouthful and doesn't quite um, go into a short um, little an acronym like NIPE, but we'll see. And there it's just showing you there's a full history of what you would have, everything that you need to know about NIPE. And right at the bottom, there's a video um, talking all about taking you through a full NIPE. That will be replaced shortly with an, a video on a, a baby rather than a doll. Um, there are four sections, the eyes, the heart, the hips and the testes. And they all follow exactly the same format with the purpose of screening, all the clinical risk factors the opportunity to um, take an examination and try it yourself. So all of the, the images and pictures are drawn by um, students. So there's one of the eye and some information there about the eye. And if you wanted, you could take a test yourself. And it, at the end of the test, you get a, P, um, a PDF telling you where you, what you've got right and wrong. It's quite useful for um, lecturers. The students can show that they're engaging. Um, there's always a referral pathway and opportunities to explore some conditions. So Natasha was mentioning about ethnic um, um, situation, you know, us missing out on things and not teaching that probably. And, and with a, a view to embracing that, we have um, a big um, database there of um, um, different ethnic minority um, red reflexes. So you can see here that we have examples of what is a normal reflex here and this is actually the colors aren't coming up very well here but this because this is obviously a web page but it's better on your phone um, and we can see those are healthy health is healthy caucasian then there's healthy mixed um, ethnicity and the idea is that we actually recognize that, that they are a different color and they're, they are paler and that actually we don't refer babies because they're actually completely normal for them so we've also got a healthy ethnic um, Afro-Caribbean and we have a lot of, quite an awful lot of this huge database of images that have all come from practice there that you'll see. So there's some other conditions that you might want to look at. We've got aniridia there, um, very capillary hemangioma. And there's some details about each one of them there. And there's some have more examples than others. Um, just show you just running through a few there. Um, so this was all part of the um, iScreen app that I originally put out, but now is incorporated within this app in the full NIPE. Here we have the NIPE standard here, and there's a link to the actual web page, but there's also um, a, a written copy of it there. So when that updates, I'll make sure that everything is updated within the app as well. Each of the page has references. If we have a look at the heart, again, purpose of screening, clinical risk factors. And here you can you can um, that's all about the examination. Then you might want to try it yourself. So here we have a baby. And if I click on their mitral area, it tells me all about the mitral area. And then the heart sound from the mitral area plays as well. I don't know if you can hear that. It's quite quiet. Um, good. And then posterior. If you just want to listen, 
So you might want to take a test yourself, in which case you can think, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure where the mitral area is. Shall I have a go? Is it out there? Oh, no, that's the incorrect position. So there's a little thing. But if I cor correctly do it, oh, I haven't done it again there again so you've got to try you've got to find the right place and then you get a green selling you found the right place and you get the heart sound it's better on the phone because you're doing it with your finger but it's all about um you know having it's just that's a, a student focused one but anyone is can happily do that here we've got a description of the examination again we've got a referral pathway and ability and a chance to explore the conditions here we've got some audio of a patent ductus arteriosus can you hear that yeah it's quite it's quite loud when you when you're playing it for yourself um here we've got a patent forum in a volley And then we've got quite a few of this one. So I'll continue to add sounds and heart sounds and other appropriate things as and when I can get them. Um, here we've got a description of some of the conditions, which again, these lovely drawings done by students um, showing the, the coarctation and the narrowing there. And there's a big, there's a description of everything. So here, all the different heart conditions. And we and we tried to, we'd like to, um, to use the sort of written, the written handwriting there just to keep it a bit less formal. And then there's some more details there. And again, we have the NIPE standard references for the hips. Again, purpose of screening and the same stuff, it's the same thing. Um, here we have, so this, these were really difficult to draw, as you can imagine. This was done by a, um, a student. I think they're brilliant. Just showing the Ortolani and Barlow manoeuvres. And at the bottom, there's a video of me doing a hip examination on a baby. So you can, I can. That looks fantastic. Examine the hips. Thank you. So there we go. And just finally, very quickly, um, at the end, we've got some additional information at the request of people was to add a, a skin page. So there's just a few things that, that you might come across. And I think hopefully add some jaundice pictures for, for a black Afro-Caribbean babies too, so that we start to recognise that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that sort of concludes our presentation. So thank you, Sue, for, for having us. Fantastic. Well, we've had a three whistle-stop tours, but I think we might have to return again in, in a little more depth because I think the, the app looks very delicious and I'm, I, it looks like something that's going to grow and grow and grow. So thank you so much. I mean, I was I was quite interested in some of the terms that are being used, like the mixed economy. And I think some of the, the queries that are coming in are focusing on that. Now, I'm turning away just for those of you watching that I'm turning. I'm not looking. So I'm just looking at my other screen because that's where the questions are coming in. And we've had a few comments rather than questions. And so the first one and this is Joe D'Agustin. Hi, Joe says excellent overview thank you for cpd purposes it's rather odd that this wasn't in the nhse core competency framework 
perhaps it will be in the next version due out soon. Does anyone know? I can see people nodding wisely. <laughs> Maybe I'd ask Lindsay. Lindsay, would you know if that's coming in the new NHSE core competencies? The core competencies. Yeah. Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay, so it's something that's going to have to perhaps be in, informed. Yeah. Good question, Joe. Really okay, <laughs> thank you. And then we've got a comment. Um, rather than a question from Heidi, hi Heidi, who says, as a student, the Nipe app from ARU has been invaluable. There we are. Thanks, Heidi. And then we have another comment um, from Bev Lynn, hi Bev, who says, I think you need to consider whom is the most experienced NOPE practitioner. Uh, a midwife who's completed a six-month module and passed theoretical and practice examinations, or a paediatric SHO who has seen one, done one. As practitioners, we need to think about what's the best for neonatal care. Good comment, Bev. I don't know if yeah. anyone wants to comment on that. Well, Bev was one of the, um, she did the HIP session in the webinar ah. series, and uh, so a really experienced um, midwife who, who helps to educate students and um, I think it's important to think about that. I think the evidence also has shown that sort of Sharon MacDonald also came mm. onto the and, and shared some of her research about that very thing that often that continuity of care that you get as well if you know the family and then you're mm. providing the screening um, of support. I think it does make a big difference to the success and the picking up on things that maybe need referral beyond just those four components of the screening you know the wider things that you may come across and pick up as well absolutely yeah and I think I mean I think it's also I mean it's it's, a, it's an interesting point Bev because if we think about pediatric SHOs for example it's a bit unfair on them to have so much as I mean they've obviously got different knowledge underpinning than yeah. just they don't just come in and see one do one but I mean they've got some confidence to be developed as well and there's no reason that why midwives and pediatric pediatricians can't work together to learn yeah. presumably I'm seeing yeah I'm hoping so, and I think um, I think it's such a good point. Bevet, Bevet, where she works at Colchester, is absolutely brilliant in, in working closely with all of the doctors there to encourage them with it and give confidence to the SHOs. And I'm hoping some of the SHOs will um, start using the app um, and giving them giving them confidence as well. That's the idea with it. And GPs, GPs are doing this. And GPs, yes. That's a good group to to be thinking about as well. Got another comment. Our audience this evening are doing lots of comments and they always come up with good comments. So Susan Martin, hi Susan, is saying at LJMU, that must be um, John Moore's University, Liverpool. Liverpool. Yes. We have had the NIPE in the curriculum since 2016. Whoa, well done you. And, and it was validated. We've kept our documentation from then as it mirrors the post-reg NIPE CPD as it, and it requires more detail than the more systematic review detail. That's interesting, isn't it? It is. And I think that's where, where you've got the experience, like at John Moore's and with Lindsay and ourselves in Birmingham. You, you've 
you've worked out that actually that the mora isn't enough it's it's mm. not up to the requirements for that particular mm. aspect and you know likewise we kept and adapted our, our documentation mm. our, our our older courses and our previous curricula mm. And I, I think it would be nice, Sue, if the LMEs sort of got together and sort of uh, maybe did a, did a standardised additional um, practice document that we everyone used with their standardised MORA. And, the, we had, and we had consultation from all the, because the LMEs represent all the universities. Absolutely. It would be great. So the lead, for those who don't know, the lead midwife for education, every university will have a lead midwife for education who's in charge of the quality of the education that's provided. And I think there is work underway yeah. from what I know. And I kind of, well, I'm having a sort of deja vu feel because I think years ago, we used to all have different clinical record books all over the country. And now we've got one, the Mora, and which is good. But of course, it's something that's a growing. You have to keep changing as your knowledge changes also. And interesting, Amy, Amy Salt, well done, Amy, says the details so limited in the Mora. I'm a second year student midwife and struggle to document everything in the Mora. So I'm glad you've recognised that. Well, well done you too, Amy, because you've recognised too. And, and then One of our wonderful students. Aha! It seems to me there's a lot of people you know here tonight. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know who's here. So. <laughs> Lots of people are still coming through. OK, we've got uh, Claire Dale. Hi, Claire. She says, I'm curious to know how newly qualified midwives feel about qualifying with the night compared to midwives that have been qualified for a few years and then undertaken the qualification. Do you feel there's benefit to having some experience behind you first? I'll try. Well, I, 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 sorry to jump in, but Natasha, no. I'm sure a lot of you on this, but we've also done um, NIP in the um, undergraduate since 2016 17. And that was part of work done by Sharon McDonald originally. Mm. And we found that by we've incorporated them starting in the first year a little bit, then a bit more in the second year, and then the full NIPE model in the third year module. And they, that allows them that time to gain that knowledge and experience to do lots of examinations and build on that knowledge and skills uh, they're, because they're, embr- and they're so they're thirsty for knowledge. So that's worked very well for us. I think both work well. Natasha, yeah. do you, what do you think? Well, we have a similar model at, at Birmingham as well in that in the first year, it's very much focused on what's normal. How many fingers and toes is a baby supposed to have? You know, what is the normal baby supposed to look at? And normal with all the variations of what normal can yeah. be. And then second year is more, sort of, in old terms, high risk. New terms, additional care. And that's where, you know, we start to look at the eyes and the testes in um year two but with those other examination components that you would need for a baby that requires additional care and by the end of the third year they've got the hips and hearts in there and a wider appreciation at level six or level seven at those higher decision making questioning evidence levels critiquing so yeah I think that developmental process if you try to put it all just oh okay let's save it for the last final year it wouldn't work but that incremental developmental but also with the support of our clinical areas as well. We can't work without the clinical areas. So we can simulate, we can talk, we can play, we can role play, we can do all sorts of stuff. We can have videos, but actually, and all our learning resources, but without our partners in the clinical area. So 
over time we've developed some really good relationships with our local NHS trusts and our screening partners um, that work really really well so we can direct our students say that's the person phone them up email them they'll book uh-huh. you into, you'll get the relevant experience mm. and it's a bit of a numbers game because again there's no set number well how many nipes should I do before I qualify it's a bit like the EU directives yeah. should we and we know where we're going with that a little bit more now and it's a bit arbitrary so that's kind of work in progress in fact our post-grad um NIP practitioners the ones that are coming to do after they've qualified we've altered the number that they need to do now and the the undergrads are, are still doing they're doing 20 for us in in Birmingham but they have to be full examinations mm-hmm. so the fact in the second year they might have done some eyes in the hips well they can go into their normal baby examinations but 20 full examinations mm-hmm. to do. And we get signed off for those as they can do them obviously the first one they do is not going to be good as the last one that they do but uh, all the components in there so this yeah. is I'm, this is why i'm seeing another little book that's going alongside this mora it seems <laughs> a lot of a lot of learning and development and rec- recording but that that's fabulous thank you so much i'm trying just ch- chasing us along i've got um also um i've got ruby stone hi ruby who says the app is excellent and really exciting in the discussion of using the app in the workplace do you think there might be potential for there to be a short video on the app to show parents who might ask about the purpose of night screen could it could be useful for practitioners players resource also in potentially different different languages this is growing already even more and considering that uh, the app might be uploaded to an iPad on each ward, for example, I'm sure Lindsay will have a comment. Oh, she's going to be scribbling notes now. <laughs> yeah, that was a great idea. Thank you, Ruby. Ruby. Well, this is what's fantastic about this whole area of work. There are so many people with expertise. One of the things that shocked me when I was learning from these guys is the, the discussion about people, many midwives who've done pro, the programs of MBPN or NIPE or EON or whatever is names it's going by, but haven't practiced. Mm-hmm. And that made me really sad because mm-hmm. I'm thinking all those midwives with those skills and knowledge who are either anxious about practicing and just need that little bit more confidence because I felt that the, the program really was very good around that it would have made me feel very much more confident personally if I wasn't practicing so for that now I'm just chasing on now Susan hi Susan says if your local unit does not have update sessions and discussions is there another way of accessing this resource I'm going to point to Anna because she's she's uh, at the bottom of the world world. (laughs) yeah so we've got um We've got the end of the uh, webinar series that you're welcome to join, yay. and yay! Because um, we 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 sort of closed it off at 80 participants so that we could have meaningful conversations. But we we know that other people wanted to join us, so we'll be doing that again. And Natasha runs an annual um, conference that would also, you know, like a study day that would also constitute updates. And universities hold CPD events and, and half-day workshops and things around the country so it's looking out for those really and maybe we can share a link with you Sue to the next um, booking you know for the oh. for the next course 
And keeping your eyes and ears open and talking to colleagues, because often other people know. I don't know if Lindsay and Natasha are wisely nodding. I don't know if you wanted to add anything. Um, well, just to say, yeah, there are so many different ways you can update yourself. So obviously Anna, Anna's webinar series was, was really, really good and it was great to participate in that. Um, but yeah, look around, look on university websites, look in you know the different journals to see what's advertised. Speak to your NIP screening um, leads and see what's around. And if you look at the um, framework that uh, is put out there for CPD, it gives lots and lots of suggestions of things you can do. So yes. I think with CPD, we used to be obsessed with oh we have to pay for it and we need a day off and whatever well I'm not entirely sure the NHS will be paying for very much at the moment so all universities for that matter so we have to be a little bit broader we have to be a bit more inventive and there is no one script of how you do your updating but you do need to do your updating and variety is sort of the spice of life isn't it that maybe one year you might do some reading the next year you might do you know the webinar series and you alternate between different things, or if you'd work your way through the app, for example, that is updating, or a, mm-hmm. an article, read, read the series of articles that, that we've published in the practice in midwife. So, variety, loads of it, and lots of But I thought it'd be good to say just because we have got students now coming and requiring Mm -hmm. that really good supervision and assessment from obviously our practice colleagues, it's never been more important to really stay as as up to date as you possibly can so that we're giving the quality education in practice because that was one of the big barriers initially to universities Mm -hmm. rolling this out to every university because you obviously have to have enough um, NIP trained and qualified practitioners out in clinical practice that are able to support students so we're at that point now where it could become part of the NMC standards because we have lots and lots of post-registration qualified midwives and staff mm. so you do need to have plenty of staff available that can support student learning in practice mm. just in the way that Natasha was mentioning so yeah it's good to, it's good to do it every year really that you're doing something to support yourself well, and of course, you're meant to bring the standards, for those who you don't know, into your revalidation as well. Not just the code, but also the standards, which is yeah. can be a little bit challenging because it's just a different way of thinking. But yeah. thank you. Thank you for that. Now, I've got another comment. Um, no, we've got, we've got, no, we've got a question from Irene. Thank you, Irene, who says, Mora recording is causing anxiety across all cohorts in my university. Practice supervisors too. How can we improve this? How can we give some constructive feedback? Irene, that is really fantastic comment to make, actually. Lindsay? <laughs> Natasha? You mean, you mean directly about NIPE, I'm assuming? I think it's about the Mora, the way that the recordings of examination the newborn are going into the the, the um, Mora paperwork. And and for those of you who don't know about this, that the MORA is a way of assessing the clinical practice records of the student. Very much focused on women. Some, there's some baby, but it's not as detailed as is required. So I think that was a good point. It may be that, um, like you were saying about the lead midwives, we need to think about the lead midwives generating more documentation yeah, I think I think it goes back to what Natasha was saying earlier about the yeah. additional documentation 
but um, f- that we've actually each in the university is doing because we know that it's insufficient. Yeah. We completely understand that. Um, and we've certainly had to bring it in for our third years, but I think it needs to be there for, for the first and mm. second years as well. So, so you start right from the beginning. But it's a shame. I think the lead midwives hopefully are looking at this. I, I believe they are. So I think, Irene, it might be worth going back to your lead midwife in your university and, and commenting yeah. because most universities will have a, a, a student group representative system where you can feedback how you feel about it but yeah. uh, that would be useful so as a last comment I think we're coming to a last comment because I know as I always say this hour goes by so quickly and it's gone it's flown by this time possibly not for Anna poor Anna because she's probably wanting to be in her bed uh, but we have a comment, another comment from Amy Salt, our, uh, Amy, who says one of our link midwives from university did a virtual presentation of the Mora, which I think helped a lot of the supervisors, too. I actually gave my Mora to my supervisor to take home and have a look at. It's so hard when this time is, time is, is of the essence in practice. Absolutely so. I'm surprised, Amy, you let that precious document out of your <laughs> sight because it's a it's something that is very it is very precious because it's you and your experience and you know your transition into becoming midwife. But thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. And thank you to our lovely audience for lovely questions and fantastic comments. Yeah. Clearly, our wonderful speakers have given a lot of food for thought, a lot of a few questions. And and standardised um, examination newborn or NIPE paperwork is a big part of that and linking up with the moral, which is fantastic. And I think for me, there's questions about teaching and supervising, which is coming through from all of what we've been talking about this evening. And we're going to return. And I'm sure we're going to return with Lindsay, Natasha and Anna, whether they like it or not, they'll be back. <laughs> Once we've got people, we've got them. So I'm going to say a big thank you. I'm going to thank everyone for joining us this evening. We've run over a little bit, but we're a bit saucy like that sometimes. So thank (laughs) you to our speakers and thank you to Amy who looks after everything all and makes sure this comes out. I have to remember, it comes out in a nice box set form and it also comes out as a six o'clock in the morning podcast on Friday morning. So thank you to Amy for doing all of that. She makes it look very easy, but I know it's quite tricky. Next week, it will be our last maternity and midwifery hour for a little while because we're going to have a little Easter break. Um, And we're having the Smile Clinic. And this is the Student Midwife Integrated Learning Environment Smile Clinic. And we've got the lovely Dana Colburn and Student Midwife Samantha Perry coming to talk about a student-led model of learning for student midwives in the form of student-led postnatal care. Oh, postnatal care, we like that within maternity service. So that's fantastic. So we'll look forward to that. Don't forget to book if you're in Northern Ireland or you want to go to Ireland for a, and, and learn more about midwifery there. There's a festival on the 18th of Dublin and Midlands Festival is 16th of May. So book in now. And in the meantime, Stay safe and stay well, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk.